Welcome to the Dream Living Podcast, the podcast for those who want to achieve phenomenal results in their life, career, and business. Now, here is your host, Angela Spears. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dream Living Podcast. This is Angela Spears, your host and Dream Living Coach, and uh, we're back for another exciting episode. We're continuing to focus on career, and the last couple of weeks, we talked about some very important topics, um, the trauma of being laid off, and second, getting unstuck and moving on in your career. We had special guest, our special guest, Lisa Cambridge-Mitchell. Hello. How are you? Hi. I'm so good. I have to tell you, I don't know what I'm going to do when we finish with these because I have looked forward to talking to you so much that it's just become kind of like awesome and normal part of my uh, week. I know. <laughs> I feel the same. I feel like I've been in therapy sessions every time we chat. <laughs> So I'm so excited and I can't wait to hear you share more about uh, part three of our series. And um, again, I covered the first two topics we discussed and there's a journey when you get laid off, you know, you have to move on, kind of get your mindset right so you can move forward. Then when you're doing your job search, this little thing called imposter syndrome can rear its ugly head. And we want to talk a little bit about how does that happen? And how do you navigate through imposter syndrome? So uh, excited to get into this topic because um, I hear it spoken of a lot, especially amongst women, <laughs> unfortunately. But I like to start by just saying, uh, asking you, how would you define imposter syndrome? Because I think it's just this top, this phrase that is not clearly or consistently defined. Oh, I love this question. Um, I tend to look at imposter syndrome a little bit differently from my from the way that I've heard other people look at it. I um, I look at, I couch imposter syndrome and under protection, right? So when I when I work with my clients, I in a weird way I kind of have these conversations about welcoming your imposter syndrome <laughs> mm. um, or welcoming your imposter, I should say, because what it really is is fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, the way that I define it is that it's this, it's this, um, inner voice that tells you that you're not good enough. That is essentially dispatched by your brain to protect you mm-hmm. and to protect you from risk, to protect you from disappointment, to protect you in a very natural way that we all kind of, um, experience. Right. I mean, cause you can't, it's, I look at it like, we call it imposter syndrome as if everyone doesn't experience it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not a syndrome. It's just what everyone experiences. <laughs> like we all go through it. There isn't mm-hmm. anyone I know who doesn't in- encounter like the most successful people um, who, unless you're like a narcissist, that's the only one, those are the only <laughs> people I know of that, that don't, don't feel that sense of, you know, I'm not good enough or I, or they're going to find out I'm not good enough and reveal something about me. So what I, I generally do when I, when I define it to my clients, I, I call it like um, this, it's like the tiny little gremlin that's in the corner. Like if you imagine your, your, your mind as a, as a empty room and, and there are different lights that are turned on in different areas of the room. And they're there to me, when we were working with a coach or working with a, a, a mental health um, professional, which, you know, I always like to say coaches are not mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to say that, like, if you can imagine you have a room and 
and the four corners are dark, those dark corners are the places where your your imposter syndrome and your gremlins and your insecurities uh, exist. Mm-hmm. The idea is that you're not going to get necessarily get rid of them, but you want to be able to create awareness around them so that there are no dark corners in mm-hmm. your room so that mm-hmm. you can you can recognize it when that little voice comes up and says, oh, you know, you, you're you not enough. Like, you're never going to get that job. That you can kind of be like, oh, well, thank you very much. Take several seats and then... <laughs> And I'll be moving on, but thank you for for your attempt at protecting me from disappointment or from putting myself out there or taking a risk. Mm. Um, because I think, you know, I really do believe that when we're experiencing our our imposter syndrome, if you will, it's really something pushing us out of our comfort zone, right? right. And that, and to be to be conscious of it. And I think I've probably said this to you before because I say this all the time that when you feel that thing, go like, wait what's actually happening? Wait, something's mm-hmm. happening. Like, you know, I, I love that when, when I feel a trigger, my, my immediate response, if I feel it, sometimes they happen and I'm not aware of them and I'm, and I go off the rails, but when I'm aware of it, I'm like, wait, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's you. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's you. Um, I don't know if I ever, I don't think I've ever shared this with you that so, you know, as you know, I'm an IPEC coach and part of the IPEC process was, um, making a physical representation of your gremlin, right? Mm-hmm. Which is essentially kind of that little voice. And I toiled over it. Um, and I, I highly recommend this exercise for anybody. I toiled over it. You know, what am I going to make? I had about a month and a half to work on it and, it, and I just couldn't come up with anything. And I'm pretty creative. So I, w- I was really surprised. Then one day it just came to me and I went and I grabbed, um, I grabbed a box mm-hmm. and I put, this crystal glass. There's not, nothing that was sentimental, just kind of a glass that we had. Uh, it was actually quietly given to us by somebody I didn't care very much about. So, or <laughs> care for. So I was happy to put it in the box. Um, I put it in the box and then um, at our old house, we had a, we didn't have a front yard. We had river rocks. I found a big river rock, put that in there. I closed up the box. Now, mind you, I'm doing all this and I really am not connected to it yet. I'm like, where is this going? <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm like going through the motion. And then I wrapped it. I, I wrapped it in this beautiful wrapping paper and I put a bow on it and it looks like this gorgeous gift. And then I shook it up as hard as I could. Mm-hmm. And what that was for me from a physical representation point is anytime, you know, the glass represented the times that I have an opportunity to do something beautiful or something outside of my comfort zone or something meaningful or something that's, that's like, you know, a, a, a high, a high, high risk, high reward situation. Mm -hmm. And then this rock that's in there is my doubt. It's the thing that tells me, Oh, you need more information Mm. or you don't know what you're doing, or is this a good idea? And instead of kind of listening to it, um, I shake the box as hard as I can, and it destroys the opportunity. It destroys the the meaningful, beautiful thing that I could have mm-hmm. if I just didn't listen, right? Mm-hmm. And and the more that the more that I listen to it, it's almost like for me the representation was that the more that I listen to that little voice that tells me I'm not good enough, the more that I'm pulverizing <laughs> this glass and this opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And I say all this, the reason I wrapped it is that I think a lot of time, sometimes we'll feel our imposter syndrome and 
it'll feel tangible. Like it's something that's, you know, kind of eating away at us, but mm-hmm. sometimes it presents like a gift, right? Yeah. Like sometimes it presents like mine presents like, like, Oh, you need, you know, Oh, you're so smart. You need to do some more research mm-hmm. because you know, you don't want to jump into this situation. Right. What if it's bad? Like mm-hmm. it could be bad. You could get hurt. So do, do like some more due diligence. Right. And then I can do diligence myself into doing nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. That analysis to paralysis. Exactly. So that that's how I kind of look at imposter syndrome. And I just have to share one really funny thing. So I've had this box for years. It's a beautiful box. It's got a gold, you know, it's gold, this beautiful gold wrapping paper with a, a bow on top. Not one person has ever asked me what it is. It sits mm-hmm. in my office on a shelf. Not my my eleven year old son, who you would think would see like a gift and be like, "Is that for me?" <laughs> my, my husband, not a friend. Like no one has ever walked into the room and said, "What is that?" Mm-hmm. Which I find interesting. Like I just yeah, find that like it it's is. almost like it's this repellent. <laughs> yeah, it's around it, and it reminds me. And occasionally, I won't lie. Occasionally, when I feel a little insecure, I'll pick it up and shake it as a reminder of like, "Do you really want to, you know, go down this road?" Mm-hmm. Do you really want to like pulverize an opportunity for no reason other than, you know, you feel like an imposter? Mm-hmm. So sorry, that was a very long answer. No, yeah. that's good. That's good. I love the analogies you shared. Uh, a couple of that stood out to me was one, you have this gremlin that shows up and, and it's just like, well, you know, maybe you're not good enough at that. And then it, like what you're saying, imposter syndrome is first of all, normal. It's It's normal. We don't have to like, what do we call make it, you know, turn it into something. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's normal. Okay. And I love what you said about being aware of it. And then it's like, you make a choice, you make a choice when it, when you, when you're feeling uh, that way, like you said, I'm going to, you know, the exercise where you put the rock in the bottle and shake it up until it's destroyed. uh, That's like, okay, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for showing up and for your little reminder, but you know, you're dismissed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, go sit down. We mm-hmm. might need you, you know, we might need you when it's like, um, this is like, a, this is a pattern for me. Every time there's a really bad storm, I've gone out for like, I've gone to the beach during hurricanes and mm. like, just like really dumb stuff after the fact. I'm like, well, I think that was a good <laughs> idea. I tried to take, uh, go to a dentist appointment during like a major tornado watch in town. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh yeah, that's when I need you to show up. Like, I don't need you to show up <laughs> when, when I have to talk to a client that I've never, you know, that, that I feel like, oh, what if they don't want to work with me? I need you to show up when I'm about to go to the beach because there's a hurricane and I want to see how beautiful the waves right. are. Right. Well, I think too, it also speaks to the fact that generally when you, when you think about neuroscience, I've you know, I know enough about neuroscience to be dangerous. I'm not by no means an expert, but um, research shows that when you are experiencing something new, like you said, out of your comfort zone, many times we experience what you call threat. You feel threatened and then you you go into survival mode, like your body even reacts to where um, you start sweating or, or you start breathing yeah. heavily or whatnot. And then I think it speaks to what you were saying about that gremlin showing up. Just It's a way of trying to protect you because you're in threat state and your body's like danger, danger, because you're out of your comfort zone. But again, when you experience those types of things, again, it goes back to what my takeaway from what you said is, okay, imposter syndrome or whatever you want to call it, you've shown up and like you can go go bye-bye. 
So, uh, and that's, that takes a lot of mental work to do that. I think it's um, easier said than done, especially when your confidence is shaken, um, when you're going through rough times, when when you're in threat state in other ways, maybe you're going through trauma in other ways, but again, being laid off is trauma in and of itself. And it can affect one one's confidence for sure. Um, I've coached people who have gotten laid off and they go through that period where, like you talked about in the first episode of this series, where you feel um, grief. And when you feel grief, you don't exactly feel like you're about to conquer the world. So um, I want to mm-hmm. ask you, how does... Uh, what is your recommendation in addition to what you said? How does somebody manage imposter syndrome during their job search? So let's say you've been laid off, you've gone through the grieving process and then like, okay, I'm moving forward. I'm going to really dig into this job search, but your confidence is shaking and th- those those messages show up in your head that can show up in, again in the form of imposter syndrome. How does one manage that? Um, you know, I, I, and I, I'm going to say something that I think is again, you know, to your point, easier said than done. Uh, the two things that, and I, and I have the same exact experience with, with coaching people that they get, get stuck, even if they haven't been laid off, that imposter syndrome just rears its head at, at mm-hmm. different points. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I like to believe is that we can approach things with curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning, um, when you're when you're on that when you're in that space where you're where you're, where you're going for the job search. So first of all, I think you need a partner. I think you mm-hmm. absolutely need a partner. I think having a coach when you're going through that type of transition is um, absolutely crucial to being successful. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I'm I'm specifically say a coach because if you're having, you know, any sort of mental health issues around it, of course you absolutely should seek a mental health, a mental health professional, but what a coach does. And, you know, and I, I always like to point this out to my clients that the, the magic in coaching is that we are forward looking. So Mm -hmm. we, we want to touch on what's happened, but what we really want, you know, for our clients and what we are trained to do is to push forward, to mm-hmm. move toward progress, to move towards goals, to move to just, just it's forward looking, no matter how you couch it, couch coaching is forward looking. So one of the things that um, I, I think is really important is that when we are going through this process of like, let's say you've got yourself together, you're ready to go, you know, to start looking, or you're ready to start applying and, you know, going after positions. I think there are a few things that are important. One is to to com- connect with what you really want to do, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you and I talked about this privately that this idea that um, if you know, I, I'll, I'll couch it like you know. I actually, I think I talked about this in our first in our first um, podcast and conversation that when you you're not where you worked, you're you're what you you know, you, you define it by what you do. So it doesn't matter where you work. If you are a healthcare professional who does not work in a hospital or does not have a job, you're still a healthcare professional. Yes. Um, if you are a healthcare professional, that's translate transitioning into another, uh, role, or you want to, you want to switch careers, you are still a healthcare professional who has an interest in X, Y, Z and using that, that, skill to, you know, like applying your skills in in a different, in a new and different area. So I think, you know, 
one of the reasons that a coach becomes really important is to understand how to talk about your work experience, your life experience, mm-hmm. and and how it how what the skills are. And people talk about transferable skills. There are all these terms. I mean, terms really annoy me because I think people think of terms and they immediately go into a box about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the transferable skills thing is really just like, what are you good at? You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, when I transitioned from being a marketing executive to a coach, the reason I was able to make that transition is because I'm really good at understanding people and seeing things that other people don't see. Like I'm very good at that. Mm-hmm. And that was my skill as a marketing professional. That is my skill as an entrepreneur. That is my skill as a coach. That doesn't change. It just expands as I use it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think one of the things is, is identifying what you're good at and understanding how to talk about it. Yes. Um, I believe that when we start talking about, uh, you know, getting like where the rubber meets the, meets the road and you're going after positions, you can't really worry about whether or not you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's okay to want it. I mean, of, of course, but you have to really focus on what is at hand and the, at hand the, in the moment is putting your best foot forward, um, presenting yourself in a way that, that, you know, a company is going to, that makes you more desirable to a company and then just getting out there because, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a thing that people say that, and this is like unrelated, but sort of, but there's a thing that people say that always drives me crazy. And it's, it's such a like major pet peeve for me when people say, oh, I was looking for this thing. Like it could be a job. It could be your keys. It was in the last place I looked. Well, of course it was. Why would you keep looking for it? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. So don't stop looking. Just mm. keep at it. Just keep at it. It's going to be in the last place that you looked. That's like, true. Like that is my pet. Whenever somebody's like, I was looking for the, da, 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 da. it was in the last place I looked. Well, yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, So my thing is just like, you know, just keep at it and, and ask questions and present yourself, present every opportunity as an opportunity to learn, to learn Mm -hmm. about, you know, if you didn't get a position that shouldn't make you any less thankful for the time that you got from the people that were interviewing you, you know, that shouldn't make you shy away from staying in touch with them. Right. Um, because maybe you weren't right for that thing that they were looking for at that moment. But, you know, we can both tell you as coaches that one of the, the like if imposter syndrome is a big thing that comes up for clients, one of the biggest things that comes up within corporations is that they don't know how to hire. Mm-hmm. I, I hear that over and over again. You know, I, it's just a common refrain. We don't know how to, how to hire and keep good people or we don't. So don't take it personally. You know, it really, that's not what it's about. Learn from it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. (laughs) No, it it did. And if I could, if I could add to that, I think, you know, how, how does one manage imposter syndrome during the job search? And I've, I've found people, you know, they're, they're wounded, they're hurt. And, and as they're navigating the job search, those, those things that they experienced for being laid off that hurt the disappointment, the shock starts coming up, especially to your point. Like if you get a rejection letter or something like that, you'll, and sometimes you personalize it like, well, what did I do? Is there something wrong with me? And it may come 
be carried over from the trauma of being laid off because you're like, well, what did I do? Could I have done anything differently? I mean, everybody goes through different emotions when they're laid off, but Mm -hmm. I think it's, um, you know, not, not taking it personally, like you said, keep at it. It's almost like when you're running, when you're a salesperson and you, you make your calls and there's going to be a lot of people who say no, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. there's, but until you get to the few that say yes, it's the same with the job search. And so I think you just kind of have to not personalize it. And again, that's easier said than done. But I think being aware, like you said earlier, of your triggers, being aware of how you're feeling and just be clear when things show up, such as imposter syndrome, it goes back to what you said earlier. Thank you. Have a seat. And I'm going to keep trucking along or even talking to someone that could be encouraging to you um, who who can just remind you of how great you are. <laughs> that Absolutely. helps. That helps. Absolutely. You may be down and talking to somebody. And it's just like, well, how I experience you is this, this and this that can help to boost your confidence because it's part of life to be disappointed and go through hurt and and where our, our confidence is affected. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I would say that someone how someone might manage imposter syndrome during the job search. Oh, I love what you said about identifying what you're good at and also owning it, being very clear on what you're good at and know that you're, you know, you're a badass when it comes to whatever. And, yeah. and knowing that with all of your heart, like, hey, it's their loss. If you got a rejection, all right, okay. I'll go on to the next one. It's their loss. So and it's not to be arrogant. It's really to help you sustain and preserve your self-confidence as you're navigating through that. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. you know, to add to that, like, I think, I think that, um, you know, take the job search as an opportunity to expand your network, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of just looking at it, like I'm looking for a job, use it as an opportunity to build new relationships, you know, use it as an excuse to reach out to people who maybe, you know, you, you felt like you didn't have a reason to before. Mm-hmm. Um and really, and put your network to work for you. Let your people know, um, you know, this is what's going on. You know, this is what I'm looking for. Um, and there's, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said. And I, it's so, I think it's so true. It's so much easier to find a job when you have a job. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also important to check in with yourself periodically. You know, before, not I want to say before you get laid off, because, you know, who knows when that's going to happen or if that's going to happen, but mm-hmm. to check in with yourself periodically to make sure that your career is going the way that you want it to go, because it's how you spend so much of your time. Yes. So you're not trapped. You know, you really are not trapped. You're not trapped in being, once you're, you're um, laid off, you weren't trapped before you were laid off. Like you have options. Absolutely. And always being connected to that thought. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So when you have a client for who, you know, this kind of, these, this thing comes up for you, these kinds of things come up for it, for them. How do you couch resilience? Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like that's another term. <laughs> right. <laughs> how do I couch it in, in, in the, in my coaching practice? Yeah. And in, in yeah. how you, how you work with your clients. When did yeah. this, how does resilience come up? That's a good question. Well, in my practice, what I do when those triggers come up that are self-defeating or limiting or barriers, 
what I do is I really get in touch with what that is. <laughs> what What is that that's coming up for you? So I take my clients through a practice to make a long story short, where they really identify the root of that trigger. Um, they actually kind of get into how their body's feeling, if there's a lump in their throat, you know, uh, uh, their chest is tight or whatnot. And typically, when you really sit in that, your body can tell you where you felt, first felt that. And mm-hmm. again, that's how you get to the root of that trick, that trigger. And then once you, then we go through, okay, once you identify whatever that situation was, we really examine it and we say, so what did that situation teach you? You know, because what, what did that situation do for you? Because even though it could have been a traumatic experience, whatever the experience was, it taught you something that served you well in life up to this point. And then it, ta- it taught you things that are pro- that are not serving you well now. So the resilience part comes in when you acknowledge that trauma or whatever the situation was really served you in, in a good way today. <laughs> and and mm. it's it's just like you, it's, wow, I acknowledge that. And even though, like, let's, I'll, I'll give you an example. Let's say um, I never felt like I belonged when I was in school. And I had an experience where I was at school and everybody laughed at me. I'm totally making this up. But mm-hmm. what that taught me was to be very cautious and very observant of my surroundings and how that has served me today is that due to my being observant observant of my surroundings, I'm very particular about how I proceed and that served me well in my professional life because I'm very aware of how I come across with people. You know, I'm just, again, yeah, making that no, up. I totally know what you mean. It's funny. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation this morning. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that because I had a conversation just this morning. I was dropping my son off. And he, we got to school early, so we had to wait for them to come out and allow them to, you know, into the building. Mm-hmm. And he, he asked me, he said, you know, how come you like quiet people so much? Because I do, like, I really do tend to surround myself with people who are kind of on the quieter spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I said, because I'm quiet, you know, <laughs> I was like, I was like, and what I know about myself is that because I'm quiet, I observe a lot and I, I tend to, you know, kind of sit back and see what's going on and read a room and I don't Mm -hmm. rush into things. I said, so, you know, we're naturally, uh, we're naturally attracted to people who, who reflect us in some way. Mm -hmm. But what I like about that is that I can trust the people who are really close to me. I can trust their judgment because they, they, approach things in a way that's consistent with the way that I approach something. So Mm -hmm. if they say, you know, we're going to jump, I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, because I know that they're not going to do it lightly, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think to your point, it's like that, that's that same kind of feeling that it's like, oh, well, throughout my life, this is what I've learned. And Mm -hmm. this is how it serves me well. Now, where it doesn't serve me well is I'm very quick to um, kind of decide that someone's not for me, sort of, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I have some of my best friends, I mean, absolute like gem of a friend, uh, I've got quite a few of them who, gem of a friend, gem of friends, I don't even know how to phrase it. <laughs> uh, they decided that we were going to be friends. And mm-hmm. I was like, why are you talking to me? Like, you're so much like, oh gosh, you're a lot. <laughs> and we joke about it, you know, cause they're like, yeah, you were just like, leave me alone. <laughs> you're, you're really loud. And you're like a lot <laughs> now. It's like now I can't That's live so without you. Yeah, so yeah. Again, you know, to your point, like it's that what life experiences taught you. That's really great. 
that's a great yeah. approach. And I, I think that. to the point of resilience, you, I think it's important to acknowledge your resilience and, and your greatness and, and all of that as you're navigating, um, finding a job when you've been laid off. Cause it's tough. It's hard, especially yeah. if it's prolonged process, but you, to your point, you have to check in with yourself and, and how you are, how you're doing mentally, physically, emotionally, but also in your career. And I love what you said about that in particular, because you always have to be, uh, taking ownership and managing your career. Um, you never want to get too comfortable. You always want to keep your options and opportunities open. I always do. And, um, even in my own personal career, um, I've had, you know, I have just this week, I had at least two people reach out to me with job opportunities and I talked to them just <laughs> again, to your point, networking, making uh, connections, because you never know when, it, even though I'm not, I'm not, not really looking right now, still, you never know um, you yes. know who you can connect with that. If you're in a situation, it's like, oh, let me talk to that person or let me talk to that recruiter. You know, never get too comfortable and always be thinking about your career and how you can advance your career and where you are. And also in your network, your, 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 the people around you, all of that is so, so important. It, managing your career is a job. <laughs> it's it not really just is. doing your job at work. It's networking. It's, um, you know, making yourself visible, all of those things. And, and we'll, we'll keep covering those topics through, throughout the podcast. Uh, one more thing I want to say too is, is kind of growth mindset. Um, like you said, focus on kind of the opportunity, make it a challenge, like connect with people you haven't talked to. That aligns with growth mindset. And that's regardless of how the situation is, whether it's good or bad, where you have triumphs or failures, you learn for that failure and you keep moving. So go Absolutely. ahead. Oh, I was going to, I was going to say kind of something along the same lines that it's also like, it's practice. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, when you're, when you're, um, interviewing, it's like dating almost. It's like, well, let me just see how this goes. Like, Mm -hmm. let me, I know what I want in someone who, you know, I would date. I know who, I know what I want in a company where I would want to work and I'm going to vet this out and see if it's something that I want, you know? And and I think I I tend to, and and sometimes it kind of, I mean, I think that it could feel a little like a bit of arrogant advice, but Mm -hmm. you're interviewing them too. Absolutely. (laughs) I say that all the time. Yes. You know, so it's like getting into going into it with this kind of going back to what I was saying in the beginning, going into it, this curiosity of just like, hmm, okay, here's an opportunity. Is it an opportunity for me? Mm -hmm. And, um, and learning through that process. Yep. Love it. So summarize what we discussed. So how do you um, navigate your career? How do you, how, how do you specifically address imposter syndrome when you're um, job searching? So like you said, identify what you're good at and own it, keep at it, network, uh, adopt a growth mindset, check in with yourself on a regular basis to avoid situations like this, honestly, to avoid, uh, if you're laid off, so you're avoid a long span of time when you're unemployed, check in with your career on a regular basis, but also check in with yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally. And I think that's just a good practice in life. So uh, anything else you want to add to um, any advice about this topic before I ask you to tell us more about what we can learn about you? Anything else you want to add? I I would just add, you know, to just don't give up, you know, Mm -hmm. just don't give up. I mean, um, and keep yourself, keep yourself occupied 
Um, you know, you brought up a point of um, when the job search is, when it's prolonged, right? Mm-hmm. To keep yourself occupied. Uh, I'm a big, and you know, I've talked about this before, I'm a big belie- big believer in volunteerism. Mm-hmm. So if you have the the bandwidth and the ability to go out there and, and contribute, get out there and do it. You know, if there yeah. was a an organization that you always admired that you wanted to be a part of and, you know, maybe on a volunteer basis, then get out there and and use that time to kind of keep yourself and your mind active because it can be very isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the, you don't want to be idle no matter how right. long you're looking for a job. You do not want to be idle. And those opportunities are also things that, that you can add to your work experience. You know, be, being able to say that you're a volunteer you mm-hmm. know, doing X, Y, Z, that goes into that bucket. So, right. and you also never know what relationships you'll find or what, uh, what other fulfilling experiences you'll, you'll, um, you'll have, but, but volunteering, um, can be extremely empowering, extremely empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it can be a boost to, to your, um, to your ego. When yeah. You your confidence. Cause you're not focused yep, on yourself. Exactly. You focus on serving others and it can be very self-fulfilling too, even though you're Absolutely. serving others. So that's a very, very good point. Um, yeah, this has been great. Um, keep at it, people don't give up. It's, it's, it's up. not over. Just, just keep going. So Lisa, thank you so much for being my guest. Um, tell us where we can learn more about you as a personal development coach and leadership consultant. Absolutely. You can find me at Persist in Joy. And um, I am on social media. PersistinJoy.com is probably the best way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always say, like, I, I like to say that we're going to persist, particularly if we're women, we are going to persist, but why be miserable? Right. <laughs> yeah. Why be miserable? <laughs> That's like, right. It's a choice, right? You have a choice choice. to be miserable or not. The one thing I'm meant to say too, we all experience imposter syndrome. So don't, let's not demonize what that is. And men do too. So come on, man, you, you experience it too. You just don't admit it. (laughs) So (laughs) persistenjoy.com and Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Persistenjoy on Instagram and persistenjoy on Facebook. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. The part four will cover navigating a career change. It's like, yeah, doing your job search now. How do you navigate that change? What are some other things you need to do? I think we covered some of them today, but we'll continue that next time. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Again, Lisa, always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Looking forward to next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. And bye, Lisa. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much. Yes. Yes.